Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Jackie Stoughton of Jade and Oak. Jackie started as a blogger six years ago while she was working full-time at a law firm as a litigator. She started blogging as a hobby to have a creative outlet separate from her day job. After a few years of blogging, she noticed that more bloggers were turning their blogs into a business, but didn't notice people addressing the legal side of things. This is when she focused her business on providing legal information and education for online business owners and bloggers. Jackie continues to work full-time and works on her business as a side hustle. She is currently expecting and will be welcoming a baby girl in November. So that's really exciting. Um, Congrats, Jackie. But I'm so excited to chat with Jackie today and um, talk about all the ins and outs of legality for bloggers and business owners because that's something that really isn't addressed. So let's dive right in. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to chat more about legality for bloggers and business owners with you. So before we dive into the episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited too. Um, So yeah, my business started um, when I started a lifestyle blog probably about six years ago. Um, I was just I was working at a law firm. Um, I was a litigator. It wasn't super exciting or creative or anything, so it was kind of dry. And I was reading a lot of blogs and getting inspired by what other people were doing, you know, sharing like their lives and recipes or vacations, um, all of that. And I was like, okay, I could do this. You know, I'll I'll start sharing about myself, get a little more, um, you know, creative outlet. So I did that for a couple years, and then it just sort of um, I saw more people moving more into the businessy side of things with their blog. And I noticed that, you know, people weren't really talking about the legal side or taxes or contracts or anything like that. So I started doing my own research and then I realized, you know, kind of put the two together, take my, you know, knowledge that I've learned over the few years, you know, having a blog and being an online business owner and sharing that with other business owners online to make sure that they were doing things legally. So that's kind of how it all um, progressed. Yeah, I actually started um, with a lifestyle blog as well. I actually still have mine, so I kind of have both. But um, yeah, it's a lot of people kind of start that way and then they're like, actually, I'm going to make this into like an actual business with services or products and things of that sort. So it's really Yeah, exactly. Started. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's actually still not that many people that are offering like legal in terms of bloggers. So like, there's, right. but there's, it's not super, it's not like a dime a dozen, like a social media manager like me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's not. So I think it's really cool that you are still pretty niche within your offerings just because there aren't as many lawyers for creatives out there. Yeah. And I've, I've seen, there's definitely some out there and I've, you know, 
that focus on different things. And um, at least when I was starting out, I didn't see a lot of people talking to kind of the little guy, you know, a smaller business owner, um, someone who was sort of just starting out. It was kind of higher level. Mm-hmm. And I think that could scare a lot of people. You know, if you're starting a blog and you're just, you know, maybe doing some sponsored posts here and there, want to make sure you're doing things legally, but you go and maybe want to talk to a lawyer who is, you know, charging a lot more or working with more, you know, sophisticated or bigger clients, like bigger companies, it can be scary. So I try to be that entrance point where, you know, if you're just starting out, you know, I have a lot of free information. And then, you know, later on, if you're ready to get more serious, I still have some paid things that are still really affordable. Um, And I think, you know, that way people can still get legal without breaking the bank. I mean, if you go down the street and hire a lawyer or go downtown, it is crazy. So, um, but I don't think that should be a barrier for people. I think, you know, it's still important to get legal. And as you're growing your business, you know, you can get more of the hands-on legal advice, but when you're starting out, you know, I think it's good to at least start with the basics. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Being able to get things, you know, at a lower price is definitely nice because, you know, lawyers can be pretty expensive, especially the ones that cater to the bigger companies. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't always know things about the online space too, is what I found because, you know, they have their specialty and that's not their specialty. So, you know, even though they do have good advice, it's not always like super up to date because, you know, they're not super well versed in the online space because it's kind of just a mystery sometimes about, you know, yeah. what's the FTC going to throw at us next? So, um, I've definitely experienced that where people have asked me questions saying, you know, I was going to, you know, talk to this attorney or, or I was looking for people, but they didn't really know what I was talking about. Like, what do you mean you're a you know, virtual assistant online, like yeah, some guy in a big law firm has, you know, who's dealing with corporate clients has probably never heard of something like that. Exactly. And yeah, so kind of bridging the gap between, you know, the guy in the 35th floor office <laughs> and the little, you know, the attorney or um, blogger or business owner who's just wanting to start out. So I'm yeah. hopefully somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's really necessary because, you know, people do need that, but they're kind of intimidated by the, like you said, yeah. the person on 35th floor. So right. yeah, exactly. So let's dive right in. So what key things should all service-based business owners or bloggers kind of have in place legally speaking prior to signing their first client or working with their first brand? Like what is necessary beforehand because a lot of people just get so excited that they kind of forget about contracts or you know other Mm -hmm. types of agreements and they're just like so excited to either work with a brand or you know sign their first client that that all goes out the window and you know they can run into some trouble further down the line yeah i think the first thing is is with your website you want to make sure your website is legal um so there's a couple aspects of that uh the biggest thing is having your privacy policy up um, I have a recent blog post about the GDPR, which is the new um, law that came down from the European Union about privacy and everything. So you probably, a lot of people have probably heard a lot about that lately. But just outside of that, just generally, you know, the U.S. has had laws in place where you basically, you know, need to protect people's privacy, mm-hmm. and you should have a privacy statement that tells them what information you collect, how you collect it, and what you do with it. So that's kind of the basics. Um, You know, you shouldn't be doing bad things with people's information, obviously, but um, you want to just let them know, you know, hey, I I collect, um, you know, email addresses, but I'm not going to, you know, add you to my email list without your permission. Or I have Google Analytics, but I just use that for um, 
you know, looking at my traffic metrics and those sorts of things. So that's like the number one thing is the privacy policy statement. And then kind of uh, similar to that, but a little broader is your terms and conditions statement. And this is where, I mean, you'll see this on like every website, business, you know, documents, lots of things, basically saying these are kind of the rules of our business or our company and this website. So, you know, it, it, it goes, it's pretty broad, but it can talk about privacy, but it can also talk about, you know, this is where we're located. And if you have questions, there's a human here that you can contact. Um, it'll say things, you know, about your copyright um, information, usually that, you know, everything on your site is owned by you because you're the uh, creator of the content. Um, if you are okay with people sharing your content, if you want links back to it, if you, you know, don't want anyone to share it without your permission, um, those sorts of things, uh, you know, a disclaimer about uh, where you're not going to be held liable mm -hmm. if people, you know, rely on your information and something happens. So, so all of those kind of those legalese reminders, you know, if you download something on iTunes, all those pop-ups that we see all the time that we don't really read all the time, <laughs> um, pretty much every website should have that because you're a business and you're putting yourself out there and, you know, you want people to know that you know what you're doing, but you have also have kind of kind of rules in place for uh, your website. So I think that's the number one thing is the legal statements on your website. And then if you're working with clients or, you know, collaborating with somebody else or with a brand, you definitely want to have contracts in place. So those can be really broad because it depends, you know, what you're doing. Um, maybe if a brand is approaching you, you know, for a sponsorship, they have a contract and you can, you should definitely review that. Mm -hmm. If you aren't sure of something, you can talk to an attorney or, um, you know, just dig into it yourself if, if you feel comfortable doing that. Um, but it's always good to get legal advice. But um, if you are the one, you know, hiring people or, or selling your services, you might want to have your own contracts in place because then you know, um, you know, you have all the terms and everything in there that you want in order to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that's really important because a lot of people, in addition to contracts, they do forget the little disclaimers on their website, which are really important. Yeah. And you know, there's, they're a lot of the time overlooked, I find. And then people mm -hmm. are like been in business for like a year as a blogger or a business owner and they're like, oh, wait, you know, um, I guess I should probably add this to my website. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it can definitely be an afterthought, I think, for people because it's not the thing that immediately jumps into your head. You think, you know, I need branding. I need a, you know, a nice website. I need some graphics. I need photography. You know, you think of all those things. Um, but then later on you're thinking like the money side of things and taxes and, and all of those things. And then the legal side sort of pops up. So sometimes we don't think about it right away. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, definitely know that feeling. Cause I mean, I know when I, in regarding contracts, when I first started, I had done like one or two um, clients without a contract and then it ended up biting me in the butt. And that's why I got mm -hmm. a contract. Um, not to say that I would have continued like that, even if I didn't get like burned, but mm -hmm. it's just like one of those things. A lot of people who are creatives, they jump into things and they're so excited that they just forget like, Oh, I need a contract or, Oh, I need this. And you know, then they finally adjust things when something goes South and that's the only reason way they feel like they can protect themselves so yeah yeah it's hard because I think oh yeah a lot of people wait 
to do things like that, like the legal side or a contract or anything until, you know, something bad's already happened and it's, you know, it's a lesson and you've learned and you're fixing it going forward. But if you're just starting out, it's obviously great to have a contract in place at the beginning and you can always, you know, tweak it as you go, you know, an issue arises, you know, with a different client a couple months from now. Oh, okay. I never thought about that clause. Like, let me add that. So I don't have this issue again. You know, you can always adapt it. Um, as you know, your work changes or your experiences change. So it doesn't have to be, you know, one and done basically. Yeah, no, that's, that's really important. Cause yeah, there will be times that come up that you're like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even think about this. Now I need to add this to my client. So in the future, my clients are expecting this from me and it's, you know, not going to happen kind of thing. So just making everything clear as possible from the get go is really, really important with contracts. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing I've found, and it's actually happened to me personally and a couple of my friends, um, so people have stolen my content and used it on their website and things like that. So what should we do if we find someone has like taken our content and they're trying to pass it off as their own? Yeah, I get this question a lot. And a lot of times it's, it's after the fact, you know, someone's saying this happened to them, you know. Uh, and they want to know what to do now. So the first thing is before that happens, it's a good idea to have um, a good copyright statement somewhere on your website. Um, You know, and you can put something on every page of your website, you know, at the bottom or in the footer that just is the little C in the circle. Mm -hmm. um, And just saying, you know, you're, you're, the dates and the name of you, your uh, company or your own name, if you operate under your own name. And it's a little reminder, like, oh, this is copyright material. And then somewhere you should have, you know, a longer statement saying, you know, that this is your own material, you know, people can't use it, um, all of those things. So it's those things that are very obvious, like you're thinking, well, why, you know, why do I need to put this? Everyone should know they shouldn't steal other people's content and use it. Um, but sometimes people don't know that, which seems crazy, but you can give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they think, you know, it's the internet, it's, you know, a free-for-all. So it's a good idea to remind people. Um, It helps you look more professional and, you know, because you are, you've done some research, you've gotten, you know, you've done the work to either write a copyright statement or have someone prepare it for you and you've put it on your website. So you know that you own the content and that people shouldn't be stealing it. Um, And then it's just maybe a deterrent for some people who know better and they just think, you know, uh, I can just take this information. But if they see your statements and they see that you kind of have a a page full of um, kind of the legal information um, surrounding your business, maybe that will deter them but not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that didn't deter my person. And yeah, know, all the time people are just like, okay, well, this sounds good. And you know, it, it usually like, I wouldn't care that much because it was, it was, it was so for my example, it was actually a services page and I knew mm-hmm. it was mine because I had a copywriter write it for me because I was like, mm-hmm. I want to be cute and clever. So I was like, mm-hmm. obviously this is like, you know, it's obvious. You're not just like, exactly copy. Yeah. it was like actually cute names and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, it was like mm-hmm. kind of obvious. so I was like, okay, well, you know, at that point I was like, oh yeah, this is a little, a little much, but right. It wasn't like inspired by your page. It was yeah. directly. <laughs> yeah. Like direct yeah. copy and paste mode. Um, and I know they have like certain like plugins you can use to like mm-hmm. 
prevent that, but I always find those to be kind of like weird because then you like can't even right click on someone's website because Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, I mean, I've never gone that route. I mean, what I tell people is, yeah, number one, have your statements in place. Again, it's not going to necessarily stop anyone, but uh, maybe it will, maybe they'll take a pause. Maybe they'll, you know, try to, you know, figure something else out. But um, it's like the first step. It's kind of, you know, putting a a sign up on your house that you have an alarm system. It's not necessarily going to stop anyone, but maybe it'll give them pause. Um, And then, uh, what was I going to say? Now I've lost my train of thought. (laughs) But um, yeah, so it it can definitely help um, prevent some people from doing things. And then once someone has taken your information and basically copied it and reused it, now you can come to them instead of just saying, you know, this was my stuff and you shouldn't have taken it, you can point them back to, you know, as my copyright policy says and my terms and conditions statement, you know, this is my information, you know, um, I'd appreciate if you take it down or if, you know, maybe it's a photo or something, you might just say, you know, I'd appreciate you please um, adding uh, credit to me so you can get some traffic back to your site or something. But that's kind of the first step. Once they have stolen it, I tell people to ask nicely because maybe you can resolve it easily. Um, After that, you know, you can then uh, file something with their um, service provider to actually have the content taken down. Um, and that's, you know, going a little step further, um, and you can talk to an attorney to have them help you do this. Um, but, uh, you know, that can be a cost. So sometimes it gets to the point of what can you do, um, which sort of is not the best situation to be in, but I think, you know, the most thing, the biggest thing you can do is try to prevent it by having, you know, safeguards in place ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You know, it happens to everyone. It's the internet. It's very easy, obviously. Um, and when that happens, you know, reach out to the person nicely. And then after that, if it's, you know, a big deal where they've taken, you know, some thing and they're making money off of it or, you know, really profiting from your work, you know, then if you were to sue them, you would need to show that you've kind of, that they've benefited mm-hmm. or that you have, um, you know, lost out financially some way. So then it gets to the point of, you know, if they're not selling anything, like, is there something that you can recover from them? Um, so that's kind of the crappy side of things is yeah. the internet so vast that <laughs> now it, these things can happen and we have to, you know, deal with it the best we can. But on the flip side, um, we, as you know, ourselves need to make sure that we're not copying other people's things because, you know, for the little guy, it can hurt them. But I've heard also stories from people, you know, that they had a Google image that they used on their website years ago and um, the company who owns it can come after you basically and sue you. And if they're a big company, they can just run around and do this to a lot of people. You know, they have attorneys working for them. So that's kind of the other side of the coin is it stinks because it happens to all of us, but we don't want to be the offenders because we can have really big consequences. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like some things that you have to be wary of, especially with pictures. Cause like that's such a small thing, but mm-hmm. they can charge so much for it. Like I've seen people like try to get someone to pay a 5k cause they used a picture five years ago. Right. Exactly. And you know, I mean, or, you know, I've, I've talked to people who have sort of negotiated down and settled, but mm-hmm. 
still don't want to be the person, you know, you don't want to get that email. Um, so yeah, so it sort of stinks when it happens to you because sometimes it's hard to recoup anything, but um, just be diligent. And a lot of times, you know, your friends will see something that's yours and kind of tip you off. And uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, people learn from these things and, and stop being so crappy. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, right? Yeah. Um, I've also seen a lot on Pinterest. I don't know if you've ever noticed it before, but I'll see like my pin on Pinterest. I'm like, oh, look, there's my pin. And then I like hover over it and it's like someone else's URL. And I'm like, wow, you used a branded graphic to lead back to your website. Like how obvious are you? Um, uh, I, I have actually seen that too. And I'm just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, it's so irritating. I mean, thankfully Pinterest has like a report feature and you can like file the DMCA. Um, yeah know report thing via Pinterest but it's just such a pain when you have to do it like I, I found yeah. at least like 20 pins of my own that I'm like oh great like how much traffic did I lose out on because you pointed it back to an irrelevant article on your website yeah it's very bizarre and then that's the whole other side of uh people stealing things on the internet, which isn't even like the legal side of things. It's just the bizarre side of like, why are you using my pin? And yeah, pinning to something totally different or you get weird. I get weird comments where people are linking to their website and it has nothing to do with anything. You know, they're trying to like kind of fly under the radar. And that's just like the weird trolley side of the internet, I think, <laughs> which is probably never going to go away, sadly. But yeah, no, it's just, this is frustrating because you're like, wow, like you never know how much traffic you actually could have brought into your website and like what's being redirected to theirs. And it's like, it's, and then you look not credible because it has mm -hmm. your URL at the bottom and it's sending them to a website about like health and fitness when you're writing about social media or something. So yeah. Yeah, it, it does sink. And I've definitely clicked on other pins of other people and it takes me to some weird website. And I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> click through this and now I don't know where to find this person. You know, I wanted to see their content and yeah, you know, yeah you're on some weird foreign website or something. Yes, so. It's terrible. I yeah. Mean, they have those things in place that you can like do something about it, but mm -hmm. it's just weird that it's happening in the first place, but I digress. Um, <laughs> so regarding like brand sponsorships as a blogger, can you speak to the importance of like disclosing partnerships? Cause I've noticed a lot of people don't do that. And since I'm both a blogger who does like sponsored content, and then I also have a business too, I mm -hmm. see kind of both sides of things. And, you know, it's very interesting to me to see like, you know, half these people disclose and then half the other people try to make the ad super tiny or they don't put mm -hmm. it at all and things like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, so there's pretty, you know, specific laws about this. So it's, you know, with FTC in the U S it's the federal trade commission. So if you're in a different country, obviously check out your country's laws, but, um, yeah, in the U S, uh, it's basically saying that there should be truth in advertising. So the FTC kind of like with commercials back in the day, you, you can't have a commercial on TV that says, you know, buy this pill and you will lose a million pounds or something. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you have to have sort of truth in advertising um, as well as if it's kind of sponsored content. So I think once things came onto the internet, it got fuzzy, you know, as a celebrity talking about, you know, Pepsi on their Instagram because they love it or because Pepsi gave them, you know, $10,000. So yes. um, that's kind of the higher aspect of celebrities. But 
just even with, you know, bloggers and, um, you know, social media influencers, they want it to be clear to consumers when the person has a vested interest or an interest with the brand or the company. Um, so they want it to be clear that it's an ad or a sponsored post. So for something on Instagram or Twitter, um, or social media, you really want to have some clear indication. So you don't have a lot of text or space, so you're not going to write this whole, this is a branded post or a sponsored post, but all opinions are my own or anything like that. I mean, you can, but you know, you might not have the space for that. So um, they've said that you can use hashtags like hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored, um, maybe hashtag affiliate, something that's pretty clear. Um, you know, I think they don't want you to put SP for sponsor, SPON for sponsor, yeah. because not everyone knows what that means. Um, and you want it to be kind of immediate where someone can see it without scrolling. So the big thing with Instagram is, you know, whenever they cut off your uh, caption, you know, yeah. so it needs to be in the top of your caption because what if I just see the top of your caption that says, I love Pepsi, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I don't click read more. And then I didn't see that it was an ad. So, you know, it's not clear to me immediately. Um, you know, Twitter, you don't have as much space and maybe Facebook. I don't, I can't remember if it cuts things off, but you still want it to be up towards the top. Mm -hmm. So someone can see it without scrolling. Um, and similarly with a blog post or something on your website, it needs to be at the top yeah. before someone kind of is in the middle of the post and already, you know, maybe making their opinions based on what you're sharing. Mm -hmm. so it needs to be very clear. And I think people are so used to it now that they aren't going to be necessarily annoyed or, or you're not going to be discredited because you have sponsored posts. They just want to know that it's sponsored and you can still make it your own. You can still make it your own, you know, content, still make it fun, your own branding and your own wording. Um, but it just needs to be clear to people. So I've noticed more celebrities recently who were clearly doing sponsored posts beforehand, but not posting that it was sponsored or an ad. I see more of them putting that in there. So I think they're cracking down on it more. I think, I think they did. I think they went after like the big, really, really big ones, like the Kardashian status yes. ones and went after them and said like, you need to put ad like, or we won't. Right. So exactly. Um, so of course the littler guys don't get affected as much with that because they're not super known, but mm -hmm. it's still really important because not only do you want to look credible to you know, the FTC and other things like that, but you want your audience to think you're credible as well. You don't want them to think that you're just promoting it because it's sponsored or you're mm -hmm. trying to hide, hide the hashtag ad in between all of your other 30 hashtags or, you know, things yeah. like that. It's just really important to be clear because your audience isn't going to hate you if you do sponsored posts, mm -hmm. but they, they might hate you if they feel like you are being dishonest. So. Exactly. Yeah. If you, if you are trying to hide it or, or, you know, you're burying it, then they don't, yeah, you're going to lose trust with them. So they're fine with that. A lot of people do sponsored posts. It's just making it clear and, and uh, yeah, then you're not trying to trick anyone or anything like that. So. Exactly. <laughs> and then kind of, we already talked about contracts a little bit, but like, why are they so important for people in general, like either bloggers mm -hmm. or business owners? And then what are just some like key things that need to be included? You don't need to go too in depth with this, but just things mm -hmm. that like, this needs to be in there no matter what, just protect you and the other party. Yeah. So contracts um, are really important because they're a way to kind of protect yourself before the fact, 
before you start the work, um, but also kind of in the middle of work. So I feel like when you have a good contract in place at the beginning, both parties know what um, their expectations are, both on their own side, you know, what they should be doing, and also what the other side is going to be doing. So it's very clear you're kind of going into things with, you know, mostly everything sort of hashed out. And then while you're in the middle or, you know, kind of doing the project or the work, if an issue comes up, you have something in writing instead of a he said, she said type of situation that you can both refer back to. You know, you said that the deadline was this day or you said you were going to pay 30% by this date. Um, Everything is really in writing. And then if it kind of escalates from there um, and there are problems, you both have something to fall back on. So kind of worst case scenario, something, you know, blows up and, and you guys have to go to court. You have a writing as opposed to like, oh, she texted me this one thing that, you know, whatever, where it, it's, it's harder to prove or you don't have records. So it's a written record that has everyone's sort of expectations. And hopefully it'll help prevent those issues down the line um, where someone says the other person didn't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as key things that should be in your contract, um, a big thing is usually going to be money, dates, and ownership. I think are kind of the major things I see. So money, obviously, you know, who's paying who, how are you being paid? When are you being paid? What happens if, you know, something doesn't go right? Does the person not get paid? Um, dates is that that's pretty, you know, uh, understandable. So, you know, when the deadlines are, is this an ongoing relationship? Uh, are you going to be doing, you know, these projects on a rolling basis, um, something like that. And then I think with ownership, you know, especially for graphic designers or maybe copywriters, anyone who might want to include something in their portfolio, photographers, um, who owns the rights to the kind of work product? Mm -hmm. Does the client own the rights? Does the person who did the work own the rights? Does are you giving a license to someone that they can, you know, use it in their portfolio or vice versa? Um, so those are kind of the big ones. So it's very, very broad because people are doing so many different types of work. Yeah. But um, I think those are the big things, obviously. Yeah. Money, timing and dates, ownership, um, and just laying out as much as you can. And also with contracts, I think it's good to rem- uh, to remember, it doesn't have to be in these fancy legal terms. Mm-hmm. You don't have to use, you know, they're, f- they're from and <laughs> all these weird terms if, you, if you're not sure what they mean yeah. or just to be flowery. Um, it just should be very clear, concise. You know, think of any kind of what if situation, you know, what if I get sick? What if I can't finish this? What if, you know, there's a deadline, but, um, you know, I have another project or something, um, and including as much information as you can. And then hopefully it'll make, uh, the business relationship smoother going forward. Yeah. I would say another thing would be like deliverables. Cause in the past yeah. I, I've been kind of like a little loose with my deliverables and, you know, the client either, you know, they may have expected more or things weren't exactly hundred percent clear. So there was a lot of like questioning after the fact, and that could have been avoided if, if the deliverables were more laid out properly. So I think that's really important for service-based business owners. And then on the blogger side of things, I would say, you know, if you are signing a brand contract, mm-hmm. make 
sure that you really review it because a lot of times they try to sneak in there like we will be able to distribute your content um map like even in like on advertising and things like that and like after the fact and obviously they won't pay you for that you know extended use Mm -hmm. Um, so if, you know, they do want to keep that in there, maybe like raising your actual price, um, Mm -hmm. on it just in case they do decide to use it or like after the fact, um, have it say like, okay, well, if you do use it, then this is how much I charge kind of thing. Just so you don't kind of tie yourself down. Um, and in the future, if you see them using your thing, whether on an advertisement or something of that sort you kind of have that leverage to be like well i said in the contract like if you use this then you know you would owe me x amount of dollars so um that's just something i've always seen like in my contracts with brands and i always kind of try to take it out or adjust it to where they can post freely on social media but they're not allowed to use it in you know advertisements and their emails things like that because Mm -hmm. i like the sharing on social media obviously benefits me because they would tag me and stuff. And I just try to make it like as clear as possible. So further down the line, I'm not having my content used. Um, you know, it would be with my permission if I didn't actually, you know, crack down mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. But. Yeah. I know. I think that's definitely good. Cause a lot of times people get contracts from bigger brands and they just think, Oh, you know, they're the big guy. I'm the little guy. I'll just sign whatever, but you should definitely read things again. If you aren't sure, um, you can always consult an attorney. Um, but it's, it's better to know what's in there and what you are or aren't comfortable with. And, and something like that, like you said, kind of the ownership or extended use can be a big thing. You know, if if you've taken photos or something and they use it in some ad or something they're selling later, you know, you should be entitled to have um, an additional fee or, you know, renegotiate or something like that. So those are things to think about. And I think, you know, a lot of times people come back with different terms in a contract. So don't be scared just because, you know, they're the bigger guy. So, yeah, no, I mean, you just need to like, just like they're looking out for themselves, you need to look out for yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause they, they, if, it, if you're working with a bigger brand, they have a lot more money than you do. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just really important cause you don't want to end up in a crazy legal battle that ends up being, you know, not worth it, but you just mm-hmm. didn't read things properly or something. So yeah, yeah. Um, let's dive into the three questions that I ask everyone that comes on the show. So what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? So for me, it, I think the biggest thing is flexibility. So we didn't get into it too much, but um, I actually still work full time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a day job. So this is kind of my side hustle. So I like the flexibility of, you know, pushing myself when I'm kind of have a lot going on that I want to do, but also pulling back if, you know, the rest of my life is a little bit crazy. So I like the flexibility and it's, it's me, you know, it's on me. I can work as hard as I want to put, you know, build things up or I can take it slow if that's kind of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that part of it. And then also I think just meeting people and, you know, obviously meeting a lot of people online I would never usually have met. I think that's really great. And just being able to kind of share my message with people and making the legal side less scary, um, cause I get a lot of emails, people saying, oh my gosh, I had no idea that I needed to be doing these things. You know, I appreciate that you're putting this content out there. So that's kind of 
a couple reasons, but (laughs) all kind of connected. Yeah. Mine is amazing. And it's like, I'm actually going to be meeting one of my online biz friends for the first time in November and super excited, but it's just so funny because, you know, like back in the day, people would have been like, that's really weird. Why do you have friends online? Why don't you have friends in person? You know? So it's like really cool that you're able to connect with people on the other side of the world, basically, or the other side of the U.S. or wherever, and just make new connections that you wouldn't have made because they didn't live in your city. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. So what is your favorite tool that you use in your business, especially as like a side hustler? I know you probably have to be really, really organized because you only have a limited amount of time to work on your business. So kind of what helps you the most in your business that you found? So I think the thing that I probably, I've been getting into it more is Asana. using that. And I know a lot of people use it when you have a team or you're working on a project with somebody else, you can kind of go back and forth in there, but I'm mostly using it, you know, on my own, but it helps keep me on track. Um, you know, I don't, yeah, have a ton of time. I'm doing things after work. And so whenever I'm kind of planning ahead, I'm like, okay, these are the things I want to do these days and I need to not get sidetracked. So, um, I probably, need to use it more and there's probably even more um kind of uh aspects of it that I'm not taking advantage of but it's been it's been super helpful so yeah I love Asana I could sing its prices for days yeah. <laughs> like I even put all my personal stuff in there too like oh yeah it says like do dishes and I know that's super basic but it feels nice to check it off and you know things like workouts and all that stuff it's just it's really nice to have everything all laid out because before mm-hmm. I was spending time doing God knows what. And then I'd, be, I'd look up and be like, oh, wow, I haven't done any client work. All right, time to get going. And now yeah. it's so much easier because everything's all laid out in front of me on the beautiful color-coded calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely like it. And I need to just, like I said, use it more and like, I, you know, to its full potential because I'm sure it could be helping me even more stay, staying organized. But, um, but yeah, it's been super helpful. And then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? Just someone that you're constantly feeling inspired by, or you just feel like they kind of have like, they're like a little bit above you, but they are always providing you with like really good resources and content in general. So I know I was thinking about this and there's probably a few people. And and lately I think I get in kicks where for a few months you're kind of in research mode, you know, like kind of um devouring other people's content and their advice Mm -hmm. and now I'm kind of in a like businessy mode so I haven't been doing as much on the research side but I followed um Melissa Griffin for years I think she sort of had a lifestyle travel blog around the time I did and to see how much she's grown and what she's doing right now is like insane um So she, I find her super inspiring and, um, I haven't kept up with her as much lately because I've been kind of focusing on other things, but I think she's a great resource and I took her Pinterest course, I think when it kind of first came out, which was probably like two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was super helpful, but that, and that was one of the first times I saw like, you can make a course and you can teach them, you know, <laughs> and to sort of open my eyes to that side of business too. So, so yeah, yeah I think she's doing like so much. So yeah, really she's cool. great. And she's also really like relatable because she seems down to earth and, you know, yeah. like she, cause a lot of, sometimes I feel like a lot of like bigger entrepreneurs seem to, um, they're not like 
and they're just inspirational instead of aspirational. And most is more of the aspirational yeah. type thing. So I really, I appreciate it. I really appreciate her too. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us where we can find you, your website, your social media channels, all that good stuff. Sure. So my website is jadeoak.com and I have tons of stuff up there. I have, you know, blog posts, uh, free resources, a couple free email courses. Um, and then I also have some paid content, which is, um, the legal templates I have. I have an ebook. I have, uh, some courses and some legal guides. So tons of information there. And then, um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. Uh, I think my handles aren't all the same, which they should be, but, um, when I started all of them, they were all over the place, but, um, so yeah, we can link to all of those, but, um, probably on Pinterest the most and I pin a lot. And then, um, on Instagram, I tend to share more of like my personal stuff. Mm -hmm. Those are probably where I'm at the most. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely link everything in the show notes and you guys should definitely go check out her blog. It's a really good resource for all things legal and just like all those things that you need to have, but either don't or, you know, you can revamp it or something. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely good to look at her site if you need like anything legal. So yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really had a good time talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. So thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode dash 59. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes Community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.